aspiring headliner with QSC. So welcome to Headliner Radio, Louise Golby. Louise, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Where are you? Are you in South London? I can't remember which part of London you're in. Uh, yep, I've just recently moved, actually. I'm now that Stockwell, Brixton area, um, which is great. Um, I was in Greenwich for a bit, which was lovely by the river. Um, we were right on the river and, you know, it was quite nice having that as my lockdown view. Um, but now I'm somewhere a bit better located for stuff going on. So things feel a bit more normal here, a bit less secluded. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so yeah. you've been um, I mean, a singer-songwriter, um, you do music production, uh, creative, basically, aren't you? You do all sorts. You, 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 music is your life. Music is how you earn a living, basically, isn't it? Uh, yes, well, it was <laughs> before lockdown. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that, exactly. But you're certainly um, yeah. certainly someone that has, you, you do a lot of different bits and pieces. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what, before lockdown, what a day in the life might have been. Um, so I, I've also, well, hopefully still have a part-time day job with a music company called BPI, um, but I'm furloughed at the moment. So I'd, I do that during the week, just in the mornings, just on reception. And then I often have recording sessions in the afternoon. And obviously before lockdown, I had quite a lot of gigs. So my, my main, my own stuff is my main thing but I also was doing quite a lot of covers gigs so I had a few residencies in some nice posh bars and hotels around London um and yeah just working on new material promoting existing material um yeah and then obviously life's different now which I could tell you about if uh yeah um, please yeah yeah just see how it's affected you really yeah so um I've got this podcast which we were talking about um where I've been um, interviewing top UK songwriters so that's been keeping me busy during lockdown and it's been a really good focus and something to keep me creative and productive and it's just been an easier process doing that remotely so it's weirdly kind of ex- it's actually excel what's the word not excelled uh yeah maybe excelled expelled even uh it's just may launch that a lot better in a weird way so that's kind of one positive of of the lockdown thing I guess also people have more time to listen as well. So once the podcast's out, you've got people with more time on their hands to even have the time to to do it, to listen. Um, And then I've been working on, like, sync stuff for pitching for adverts and TV, which is good. Um, Working on my own new stuff. I've got a second album coming this year, but a lot of the stuff has been put on hold because it's better when I'm in the studio with the producers. Um... And then I've also been collaborating and co-writing with a guy called Rob Davis, who is actually a guest. Um, we haven't released his episode yet, but he's going to be the final episode, uh, final guest on this season of my podcast. And um, you might not have, I mean, most people won't know his name, but he's basically one of the people behind um, Can't Get You Out of My Head, um, Kylie Minogue's massive song. He's written other stuff for Kylie. He's won Grammys, Ivan Novello's. He wrote Groove Jet, um, you know, the Spiller song with Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Toka's Miracle. He's just amazing. And um, just off the back of me having him as a guest on the podcast, we got chatting and we're now working together. And Fantastic. It's, you know, who knows what will come of it. But um, And I'm also actually working on a couple of pitches for Eurovision for next year. So there's loads of stuff going on. We could do is- with uh, we could do with the Eurovision, a good Eurovision entry, couldn't we? Well, I, I don't actually know at this point if it'll be for England. It might be for other countries so who knows okay right there you go exactly they sort yeah. of that i guess they go into sort of a 
you know, you could pitch for any of them, couldn't you, I suppose? Exactly. Although a friend of mine who's a massive Eurovision fan, he was like, the thing is, if you do, if it does get put for a certain country, it's quite good to have like a a national instrument sound in the song. So, you know, if if we ended up with fr- a French entry, we'll get some uh, accordion in there or something. <laughs> What's it like then as a as a creative, as an artist? Um, I guess it's what we've been doing, what I've been doing a lot of on our team, when you're interviewing people that are, are doing things that you love doing. Uh, yeah, so obviously the whole reason for doing it was because of, of me being a songwriter myself. So it's really great kind of finding out how other people's songwriting processes are and also, you know, when it comes to the big hits that they've done, I love hearing the stories behind them, how the song came about. Little, you know, where did the lyric come from? Because, you know, Rob Davis was saying that the whole can't get you out of my head thing was because Kathy Dennis turned up at the studio with that lyric in her head that she couldn't get out of her head. So it's kind of, that's kind of how it all came about, which is amazing. Yeah, they, they are inspiring things, aren't they? And songwriting's an interesting thing because, you know, You've done a lot of collaborative work as well as your solo stuff. You're very much a self-made artist, aren't you, in the sense that you're syncing, you're putting stuff out, um, what we would call one of our aspiring headliners, really, somebody that is pushing their own career themselves, funding it, um, going out and gigging when you could and making money there. It's You're, you're your own package, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm pretty much self, yeah, self-managed, self... I, you know, I essentially have my own record label mm. i mean i do obviously like get people involved when i've got a release so i hired a pr company for the recent release um and yeah I, but it is it's hard i like i think i'm a bit of a control freak because i've always done it this way so i'm quite like oh, don't like giving things over to other people necessarily but um but yeah, I like being. I like having that control and making decisions myself. You know, even in the studio. I mean, you know, because we've we've started a song together. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not pushing the buttons, I'm certainly involved in making decisions when it comes to the product production side of things. And yeah. No, that's great. It is, and it, it, it's good to. And obviously, there can, some people would argue that there can be too many cooks. In you know, on some songs, you see some people that have got twenty tracks. Sorry, one or two tracks. Look at Ed Sheeran. Even I think one of his big tracks has got about nine writers on it. And then some of them are even more. In, so he was probably a bad example because he's a great writer and, and guitar player. But um, there are lots of songs where you just, if you're in the room, you can sign a bit of paper. And, you know, people would argue, is that songwriting? Is that not songwriting? Um, you know, th- th- it can get crazy, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's that whole thing is if you're in the room at the time and you said, how about this word instead of this word, you know, or... But then you've got the other side of that where people aren't credited, like back in Motown days when the session musicians... Because there's that famous story, isn't there, about the bass line in My Girl, mm. um, that it was the session bass player who probably got paid he got paid a fee um and he would have got performance royalties but i think he came up with that baseline in the studio or something and that's that's the hook that's the hook of the song so you know you hear that you hear that and you know it's my goal it doesn't matter it doesn't even matter what instruments playing that line it's it's my girl yeah you mentioned that for your latest campaign i think you said did you that uh that you uh employed a pr company 
Yeah, so depending on... I mean, I don't have much budget at the moment. This so is what I was th- getting I, at. I'm I thinking how artists can do this. Um, what, it really yeah. is it's a huge undertaking to um, just think of other aspiring artists or people that want to get to a level where you are or, or haven't even started writing yet, maybe. Um what actually goes into it it is a lot of work isn't it exactly and i mean normally with gig income and everything that's what i'm investing back into my music my recording and releases and you know a lot of people don't realize that even just for one song one single it does cost money you know whether you've you know the mastering the artwork obviously the pr and you know it's important to get it out there what's the point in making it if you then don't push it out as much as possible um so it's kind of it is worth it but then you don't ever really see the money back in streaming sales because of the you know how minimal you get but if i hadn't tried it i would have i would have thought oh, i should have i should have got pr on this or i should have so it's yeah so you're so you're you've got a second album coming that it, it, that's going to come out this year I'm hoping to release it in autumn, but obviously we're now in July and I would have been spending quite a few months working on the tracks with the producers, so it has been hard to do that remotely. And do you think that, and in terms of just so, you know, to give a sort of a ballpark, you're going to have to put how much time and energy has gone into that and, you know, how, how will you as a solo, as your own brand if you like how 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 difficult is it to get it out there and, and what do you estimate that it might cost you know if you don't mind sharing that with us what it might cost an aspiring artist to employ a pr company to do this to do that and then what your risk reward is it's it, i'm just saying it's such an undertaking i don't really know i mean i the last time i did an album i did a crowdfunding thing which was great but i feel like because i've done that and i've nest i've I wanted to maybe not do it this time, but I don't know. It's hard to know. And obviously because the world's changed since I decided to release an album, I don't necessarily want to ask people for money. Well, it's not really asking them for money. It was asking them to pay in advance for something that they then get. Um, I mean, I may even try and approach a label and actually do it properly this time. We'll see. Yeah, just treat it like a business deal. Yeah, although I've, I've already released some of the singles that will be on the album. I think I'll see. I'm going to get the album together and then make a decision. Um, but yeah, back back to what you're saying about costs. Obviously, a PR for the album, for an album, is more. And obviously, you've got more tracks, so all the mastering and all that stuff. But at least then the PR company are working with one thing rather than lots of singles. So we'll see. And then obviously with PR, like depends how long the campaign is. And um, I mean, for me, it's about getting people to buy it or stream it once it's out, really. Um, I don't know how much like a lead time thing works when you're independent as much because I guess there's not as much anticipation anyway. Yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? For I think uh, some PR companies do stuff great. Some I think just honestly take the money and run and, and don't do much. But um, but then again, you know, I think people want music more than ever now. And uh, I think people are it's going to be like that for a little while yet. I don't think we're going to have any kind of normality back for quite some time but you know hopefully the little shows can start in smaller venues because i mean like you say you'll do i mean some of your shows are obviously large shows but you'll do a lot of corporate bits you know you'll have missed you'll be missing out on corporate work as well as um as well as individual solo shows you know um at various venues so it, it must be it must be very frustrating on that on that level 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a financial point of view, it's worrying. But I genuinely miss singing in front of people with real people next to me, you know, like doing pre-recorded stuff online or live streaming. It's just not quite the same. And um, that's what makes me sad. And I got really angry um, just before the weekend when the pubs were reopening because I... It just like I like socialising. I mean, I'm I am glad the pubs are open and restaurants are open because there's a bit of sense of normality now, having a social life. However, it just it just doesn't sit right with me when they're saying you can't sing in a venue because it's dangerous. But loads of people from different households can get really drunk and shout at each other <laughs> now. <laughs> and you know, when I was talking about the residencies that I have normally, the venues that I do those in are, are back open now, but. They're not having live music yet because of what the government have said, but also because they've obviously lost money in this time. So the last thing they're going to want to do is then spend money on on live music. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know if I said to you on the phone the other day, but regarding like live streaming gigs and asking for money for those, I don't feel like, you know, doing a, a gig in my room, playing the piano badly or... With, a, with Wi-Fi connection that might go or singing to backing tracks. I don't feel like I could charge for someone to see that. Plus, plus there's so much stuff online now, so you're just, you know, you, it's all saturated. But I might, when planning on actually now that things have eased a bit, actually getting in the same room as my musicians and doing a proper streamed gig where we make it, we make it a, an event because I haven't, because I haven't done any any gigs like that during lockdown I'd like to think that if I did announce one a special one where we do it all properly um that maybe that I can at least charge so that my my band gets some money for it even if we just charge five five quid or pay what you want I don't know but uh, but, but sorry my point is I like that you know everyone's being very um uh innovative and adapting but I just don't want this to be it I know everyone's saying it's the new normal, you just have to get on board, Louise, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want this to just be our future now. I really hope that I can sing again in a normal place. <laughs> with, yeah, it's, yeah, anyway. Uh, we're coming out of lockdown, but we're kind of in limbo because we can't go back to normal. So it's, exactly. I, I think that's the problem. Um, it's even more frustrating. So you can go out, you can go down the pub, you can do this, go for a restaurant, you can even go on holiday to a degree but we can't go and earn money playing gigs. You know, it's, it's, a, it's it, like you said, the, the first, the, the last people, um, like the first people to stop working and the last people to go back will be the touring industry and, and, and the gig and the shows. So it's double difficult, but I, I think it will happen. Yeah. Um, and people seem to be from the pro world as much as they can know, they seem to think it's going to be okay. It's just going to take a while. And it's about that bit in the middle where we need support. Yeah, I mean, the other side of that is the reluctancy of the general public that we rely on buying tickets and coming to things. A lot of people are still really sceptical about going to events, um, which, once again, those are probably still the same the same people that are going to the pub now. But might, but if you gave them a survey, would you go to a gig? They're probably like, oh, no, that would be too dangerous. <laughs> you know? And I think that's the, that's the other side of it. It's not just us wanting to get back and trying to work out a way of doing it. It's convincing people they still want to come to see live i was hoping that when the glastonbury you know the glastonbury footage was on the other weekend i was hoping that would like make the nation want to be at a live event again 
Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exa- exactly. And I think. I think. Um, yeah. You're, you're right there. And I think we just got to find that next that next step. And it'd be great if we can find that soon. Um, but I think I think major tours. They say autumn 2021, and I think that's yeah, basically a year, isn't it? So. Although I heard that Europe, other countries in Europe are having live music again. So if you can fly somewhere, I mean, I don't know how practical that is. I don't even know if I'd want to get on a plane. but And I'd only be able to do it if the money was enough for me to get my musicians over as well. And so I don't know. I don't know... Um, what do you think it is about live performance, playing out loud, what playing live means to you? And I think that's an interesting question because um, what does it mean to you to be on that stage and, and to, to sing your heart out? It means the world, especially when it's my own music. Um, you know, I've done some really nice gigs in really lovely venues where it's my night, you know, like Pizza Express, 606, um, Hippodrome, um, where else? I, you know, uh, when I've done a gig where... It's me and my band. I'm doing two 45-minute sets of my own material, maybe a couple of covers, and the, the audience are sat watching, listening. You've got them in the palm of your hands and, you know, my musicians are vibing off each other and I'm vibing off the audience and it, there's just no feeling like it. And there's, you know, there's... A, a few weeks ago I did, like, a TV Zoom interview thing and he played... The guy, the host, played a clip of me at the 606 from, like, last January... And it was a clip of me starting the gig and I'm basically saying, thanks so much for coming out, everyone. It's a, it's a snowy January Monday and I've had, you know, it was like really touching that people came out on a Monday night in January and we played and I just was like, oh, I miss that feeling. I just miss, I just, yeah, you, there's just, I mean, I love singing and I can sing in my room and I can sing and record, but yeah, it's just different when you've got people and especially, like I say, when it's your material and it's your words and people are connecting with what you've written, it's just, there's no feeling like it. No, exactly. And also the band, like my musicians, they, they tell me they love playing my material and so it's so nice seeing them enjoying themselves playing my stuff as well. Yes, yeah. So, How would you describe your sound? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly soulful, isn't it, and melodic? Yeah, I'd say kind of... I mean, I started out calling it neo-soul... Um, but the last couple of songs I've released, I guess, have been more on the pop soul side, R&B-ish kind of thing. Yeah. And what about in, in terms of vocal influences? Um, you know, have there been classic songwriters, sorry, well, not necessarily songwriters, classic singers that have inspired you? Or are you inspired by day-to-day or modern? You know, I'm just interested to see what kind of, uh, what, what where you draw it from. Oh, well... I think when I first started writing, I was listening to a lot of Erica Badu, D'Angelo, Jill Scott. And because my voice was naturally quite jazzy, I think that's where I kind of let myself. And I started working with Drew Hawley, who's a really good hip-hop producer. So it just worked really well, um, kind of getting my sound. Um, but I've been told that my voice is quite distinctive, which is good to know, because as as an artist, that's something that a lot of people want to aim for because you don't want to have a generic voice. I mean, having a generic voice is great for session work and backing vocal work and stuff like that because you want to be able to blend with whoever you're supporting or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I so I guess, yeah, Erica Padu, probably biggest inspiration. But, you know, I used to love listening to Ella Fitzgerald and 
I mean, I still do. Um, uh, yeah. And then I think I've just developed my own sound and the more the more I've worked with other people and I know what I like and what I don't like and I hope, I think my songwriting skills have got better. Who knows? They might have got worse. I don't know. <laughs> I think they will. Just the more you write, the more any, I think the more anyone can get better. I mean, I, I, although that is bizarre for people that have um, sort of one-hit wonders, they always amaze me. When you get this yeah. unbelievable... It's funny now, I can't even think of one, but... I will actually. I can think of one. Do you remember that song, Billy Myers, "Kiss the Rain"? Yes. Track, and then never heard from that person again. I mean, that's a bizarre one for me to bring up, but there are lots of amazing ones. The Connells, seventy-four, seventy-five. Did you hear that? Oh yeah, seventy-four, seventy. Great track. Then they went. I know another one. The Rembrandts. Obviously, I'll be there for you. We know why that stopped because suddenly they had enough money for, to do anything they wanted. After they friends, have, they don't have to you know, work. They don't have to do anything. Then. Imagine that as a sync deal. Um, but on the sync deal stuff, wow. actually, as a as a solo. Uh, artist, sorry, as a, as a, as a, I keep calling you a brand because you are, you are your own brand, aren't you? And you're building that and working hard on it. Yeah. How do you approach trying to get a sync as an independent without, for example, a big publisher behind you, or just interested how you do that? And I think I think the listeners would be interested as aspiring artists um, and emerging artists how you might even start. I mean, I'm not sure where you'd begin. Hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, I've. Well, actually, I have had a couple of my songs used for stuff, but it's more been people that I already knew. So an independent filmmaker's used my... I mean, the film did well and it won awards and stuff, but, like, used one of my tracks for the soundtrack. Um, What else? Um, A little bit... Like, a clip of one of my songs was used on a TV show once. But the stuff I've been doing recently, I've actually been writing to brief, so it's rather than being necessarily my own stuff, I've... um, I've been doing top lines for things, for pitches. Um, although, having said that, um, I'm with an agency. They have It's like a non-exclusive thing called Music Gateway, and I'm on their mailing list. And they often... Yeah, so I haven't actually had any success with them yet, but I keep getting play, like in the final playlist for stuff. Um, but they, of, they often... like They'll be like, uplift. they want uplifting, feel-good songs with positive lyrics for a TV show. And... I've got all of my catalogue of my own stuff uploaded on my profile on their website. And, you know, sometimes one of the briefs comes through and I've got a song that would fit the brief. So I, of course, pitch my own song. Other times, like recently, they've wanted Christmas songs. And actually myself and another writer wrote a Christmas song, which won't necessarily be for my own release, but we just thought it'd be good to do. So things like that have come along. And then I've also done session vocals for adverts so where there's been something they just wanted me to sing or they've been covers that they wanted vocals for yeah but uh, yeah i'm not with a big publisher um, and i would only sign with a massive but you know big publisher if i knew that they could really push my songs yeah absolutely um, it's got to be worth it isn't it although i have signed with a company called pretty decent music they're a small publishing company but i've been signed as a writer with them so what that is is i'm collaborating with other writers that are signed with them and it's for library music and things like that but it's great because it's kind of been a good test of my writing skills because it's been different genres like we did an 80s track we've done like a a really jazzy track so it's been a really good uh, test for me and and I've had the time to do it because of lockdown so yeah and what do you think um what do you think on your um uh, uh, with your with your pro- obviously you got your mic there with pop shield you know you're there to to be able to record at any time like you said you know when the day job was there i know you follow for now you would then afternoons 
into music focused on creating singing is it just a case of every day trying to put something put one foot forward kind of thing yeah i mean i've at the moment because i'm i'm promoting the single scarlet woman i'm actually editing a music video for that at the moment so that's you really are an all-in-one aren't you doing everything that's fantastic i know i'm hoping that (laughs) because I'm going to make a point of the fact that I did it and that we filmed it remotely, so hopefully it will forgive the bad quality of it. But I'm quite enjoying it. Um, so I've been doing that, which I want to try and get done, and obviously pushing the single of him, as well as having the PR people I've been contacting radio. And then I've been, with these pitches, sometimes things come in on the day, and then if I've got a schedule for the day, I'll end up prioritising something else if there's a deadline for it. And because I've been working with Rob davis on these you know some tracks which have been great which might be for other artists there's actually one song i've written with him which a dutch label are going to release because it's him and he's well connected when he's sent me something i've prioritized working on that because i'm like so excited to be and honored to be working with him i kind of yeah, so actually, each day is different, but I've got plenty to do. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I just hope that that more comes and that shows can come soon. Have you got? Um, and, and so at the moment, your sort of day in the day in the life musically is probably just as busy. Exactly, and yeah, like I said, although what I'm doing isn't bringing me money in the now, it's it might in the future, and I'm I'm grateful I've got the time to do it, and I'm grateful these opportunities are coming in. Um, but yeah, like today I got up and I, my priority was emailing radio DJs that I'd either emailed already saying, have you listened yet? Or contacting new DJs that I hadn't before. Um, and then after we finish, I'm going to carry on with my video edit. So yeah. Brilliant. And so the track, tell us about the track then. Ah, so the track is called Scarlet Woman and it's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the PR people call it. If you're going to believe in yourself, you've got to go for it. Put it out there, Louise. It's one of the best songs that's ever been written. Exactly, exactly. Um, No, but the the PR guy heard it and he went, another Golby Banger. I was like, great. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I do like that. Um, But the guy, my guitarist, Mafro, um, produced it and he's he's a really good producer and he works with Shaka and Getz and loads of big people. and it's kind of like a sassy R&B pop type thing. People seem to like it. So, but yeah, it's out on all digital platforms. I released it myself. So please stream the hell out of it, everybody. <laughs> and what about next? What's next for you? What's on the horizon? I know we have to forget shows for now, but what, what's, have you got another goal? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Well, for what? Because when are we actually allowed to do stuff? Do I, do I do it by the day? Do I plan for next month? It is strange, isn't it, still? It it's like the strange, second part yeah. of Strange. It's like horrific for a couple of months. Now it's weird, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I guess the plan is just carry on trying to get this album ready and make a plan for it. Uh, and just, yeah, I guess carrying on all the bits that I'm already doing, which are kind of ongoing. Um, but yeah, it does feel like you can't really make any proper plans right now. Phys- physically, anyway. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's been very nice talking to you. Really, really great. Um, Aww, and it's too. lovely to catch up. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to us. And um, where can people find you? What? Let's have your insta- your handles. All my handles. Um, uh, yeah, so it's Louise Golby. Golby spelled G-O-L-B-E-Y. Um, so I've got a website, louisegolby.com. And then on Instagram, Twitter, it's just my name, Louise Golby. 
and then also my YouTube channel. I'm trying to get, so I'm nearly at, this is one thing that's really hard. So with YouTube, you only get streaming revenue once you hit a thousand subscribers. And that's difficult to get there. Yeah, but I'm 50 off. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm nearly there, Um, which is just, it's youtube.com forward slash Louise Golby channel. So yeah, that'd be amazing if people couldn't subscribe and and obviously watch the videos. (laughs) Yeah, well, watch the, the Golby bangers. Watch all the bangers. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is a banger. (laughs) Right, so lovely to talk to you, Louise. Um, And take care and um, we'll speak soon. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks for having me. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.